Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Loop, the new and extended baby range. Flynn, you're very welcome to the Motherboard podcast. This podcast series will feature mums talking about the beautiful but hard work of raising children today. Today we're discussing modern families and the changing textures of family life in Ireland. Joining me in studio are soon-to-be mum of two and same-sex parent advocate Renee Von Medding and Catherine Cross, who is mum of two and family support and education officer for TENI, which is the Transgender Equality Network in Ireland. You're both very welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. So we were kind of talking about this and and I think we all are aware of it in Ireland, thank goodness, but a, a, a study in 2016 backed up um, that Irish families are becoming more diverse um, along with traditional nuclear family, single parents, same sex, um, cohabiting couples are the new modern family. Catherine, do you kind of agree with this assessment that things are moving um, into more of a modern, less nuclear yeah, I would think so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And in your experience, what's your definition or how would you describe as a modern family? Mm. Oh, it's a tough one, yeah. isn't it? I suppose anything goes, I suppose. Um, you know, um, same sex couples, I suppose we think of that immediately. But there's also lots of other diversity, like, you know, um, we've got migrants, we've got um People coming in from different countries for economic reasons and they've settled here and we've now got um, all all class of, of people making up families and they all do it a bit different than, than what we would have seen maybe 30 or 40 years ago. And and I th- I think that's a really good thing, Renee. Would you yeah. agree with that as well? What's your definition? Yeah, totally. Your... I don't think there's any one definition. I think it, it's whatever it means to you, whatever your family is. And if you're living in our mo- modern society... That's what your modern family is, you know. And I suppose it's making people more aware of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember Anne and Barry from um, the book from when yeah. when you were a kid. And <laughs> yeah. it was like Anne and Barry and <laughs> Mammy and Daddy. Yes. And I suppose what I think is, is great at the moment is that people are becoming more aware that there is a, you know, there are lots of families that don't have a lot of representation that do exist and are just mm-hmm. as valid. Did you do you find that in your work, Catherine? That part of you trying to educate people is trying people make aware of transgender issues, but also that transgender people are part of families. They are part of families. Yeah, I think, I think as well that you know, um, there's there's no right or wrong way to do it. But I think you know when you're I suppose when you're expecting your family and your family is small, you kind of think, you know, if you buy this book and that book and you look at this website, it's going to all <laughs> fall into place and we all have got instructions as how to do it. There's very few of the parenting books come with instructions around gender identity or what to do if your child tells you that they're a different identity. Than and in your experience, in your family, how did that come about? Um, well... I would have had Matthew at the time was four and a half when Lauren was born, and um, I suppose just a regular family. Um, and Lauren was always tomboyish, um, that, to the point of trying to pee standing up at twenty months when we were trying to toilet train her, which we thought was kind of cute. You know, we didn't unduly worry about it or anything. It was just you know, kind of her one of those kids' quirks, yeah. yeah. And you know, she would have been really a tomboyish girl and. 
with certain levels, certain times when they were stra- distressed, sort of when they went to when she went to national school and they were mixed until first class, and then the boys left and went to the boys' school. There was a lot of distress, and again, we just sort of put it down to a lot of her cousins were male, and she kind of hang around with them, and she was missing them. So you always had an explanation as to why she might not conform like the other girls. Um, so yeah, I always was able to um, explain it away, and then. Um, I kind of half expected she'd be gay, you know. You just mm-hmm. have this this kind of stereotypical thing in your Feeling head. Feeling you about know? your own kids. So when she came and said she was gay at 14, no problem. I genuinely had no issue with it. I didn't. Uh, I kind of was expecting it, like I said. And about six months later, she said she was transgender. Oh, my word. A whole different thing altogether. I'm, yeah. I'm sure a bit, bit of a shock. You've no idea. Yeah. <laughs> my world kind of fell apart, yeah. I, and, and I was very... I suppose I thought of myself as being very open-minded and very liberal. But it's different when it's on your doorstep. When it comes inside your door, I would have been very, um, very supportive of Mary next door, no problem. Uh, But when it comes in your own front door, it's kind of puts it up to you, you know, and you're kind of... It really does put it up to you. You've got to look at, take a long, long, hard look at yourself. And sometimes I, I definitely didn't like what I saw at the time. And I just couldn't feel any other way. And did you find it a challenge to your family unit or has you, or how you viewed your family unit? Um, yes, definitely. And this was, um, yeah. Um, and you kind of close ranks for a while. I didn't say it to anybody. Um, I didn't know how to say it to anybody. How do you? say it I think when I went to my first support meeting I think I bought a, a pen and a paper and I put it in the middle of the table and I said somebody write down how do I tell Mary next door <laughs> do you know it's just it's as basic as that you know and um and people kind of know you're going through stuff but you just don't know how to say it it's such a I think I found it very um such a private thing I kind of needed to know how to cope with it myself before I kind of broadcasted it mm-hmm. you know and yeah, it was taking a long time. Yeah. So. And Renee, do you find in having, um, you know, a, being in a same-sex marriage that sometimes people's kind of perceptions, you know, when you walk in the door and you actually walk in with your wife, Audrey, um, that people are surprised and might might kind of look at you slightly differently? Uh, definitely uh, people look at you differently. I mean, I've had a lot of people would ask, um, what's your your husband's name and I'd say my wife's name is Audrey and they're like no no your husband and I'm like yes my wife is Audrey and and they'd repeat it a couple of times so you're trying to be polite (laughs) in in a way to point out yeah but there's an assumption there yeah um or you know people would see the two of us together and kind of assume that maybe one is an auntie or one is a friend you know yeah Uh, people just assume a lot about um a family unit when they see people together. And do you find it a little bit frustrating then that you're constantly kind of having to correct them or do you just find it, um, you know, that people are a bit more open to it and you don't have to correct them as much now as perhaps you would have done? Um, I think things are definitely totally different now than if we had been around 20 years ago even or 10 years ago. Um, So I appreciate that we are living in a much more accepting kind of society um it does get frustrating obviously um like for any yeah, yeah for everything yeah. yeah um most of the time we're pretty patient about it um and as know, long as people are polite yeah. and respectful yeah. i suppose yeah. yeah yeah do you find catherine that sometimes people's questions can be um not inappropriate but you know because you're seen as um quote unquote different that people can be quite probing in their questions that they wouldn't perhaps ask somebody else 
Um, I think it depends. I think at the start of our journey, when we were very vulnerable, and I definitely was very vulnerable, you're kind of hypersensitive to what people are saying to you, and you might take things up entirely different than it's meant you know, when you look back. Um, and there are days when, I'm sure you find that as well, Renee, that there's days you can cope with it and there's days you just yeah. can't be bothered. You and know? you snap. Um, and you yeah. just, you just, you're not in the form for it or something, you know. Um, now I suppose it's a bit different for me because um, Lucas isn't very visibly trans, you know, even though, you know, people know where I work and of course it outs him very much though. But um, we get a bit of a laugh out of it now, you know, where people might make a, an off-the-cuff comment not realising that Lucas used to be Lauren, you know, that kind <laughs> of way. So you can get a bit of a kick out of it. But I suppose at the start of the journey, I would find they didn't really ask me a lot of questions, but they would have asked those maybe around me. They would okay. have asked my sister. Okay. Who was also struggling with it and found it difficult to advocate for me and Lucas because she didn't understand, you know, um, no more than I And did. how did you all get support, you know, oh. and meet other parents? Because I think that's one thing that maybe listeners at home might not understand is that it can be yeah. very isolating yeah. when, you're yeah. go- when you're going through something. Yeah. Yeah. How do you get support? How do you suppose, access that? And I definitely would not have, I would not have said too much, I wouldn't have uh, framed myself in the sort of the support meeting type person. I would have been like, no, not at all. That just wouldn't be me. But like I say, I needed desperately to know how to tell Mary next mm. door, do you know? So I kind of, we went down to a support meeting in Carlo that Tenny were running. Um, I heard Vanessa Lacey on the, on the radio and one of my friends who had confided in texted me and said, you know, she's on the radio. There's a number there to ring. So we went down to Carlo, myself and my husband. And um, um, I suppose I didn't want to be there, but I had to be there because I didn't know what else to do. And I remember my mother ringing me the next day and said, well, how'd you get on? You know, what were they like? You know, were they all weird or what? You know? <laughs> and I said, I don't know what they were like. Mum, I don't, I don't want to be their friends. I just I just want to get some information. I just I was completely putting distance between myself and the people around the around the table. But I mean, I kept going. And it definitely was my absolute lifeline. I don't actually know where Lucas would be today if I without that. Oh no, no, I don't know. And Renee, you are expecting your second little person, and you have a beautiful little toddler at home. Yes. But your journey with Audrey to get to the point of of having your kids was was quite a tough one for, yeah. for both yeah. of you. How did you get to there and what supports did you institute outside your own family unit to support you in that? Um, So when we decided we wanted to have kids, we wanted to do a thing called reciprocal IVF, which basically is when two females, uh, you use one of the female partner's eggs and the other person uh, carries the pregnancy. Which is lovely. So you're both involved, which is which is beautiful. Another term for it is shared motherhood. Okay. Yeah. So you both have a part to play in Mm. the IVF process. Um, we wanted to do it here, but it's not available here. There's no legislation for it here. Um, and the clinic we were attending, the head of the clinic basically just said to us, look, it's not going to be available to you in your reproductive lifetime. So you need to go you elsewhere, to which go was elsewhere. good advice. Yes. I mean, yeah. instead of just yeah, hanging we were, around and yeah. thinking it's going to change. Yeah, totally. Um, so we decided that day when I remember very clearly that we were we're upset, but at the same time, we've always been kind of fighters. If if something's in our way, we'll just mm. suck it up and move on to the next step. Mm. So that day I was researching clinics. Um, and I think within a week we had found a clinic that we were going to use in Barcelona. Uh, we went to Barcelona. We stayed there for a month, did the process. Um, didn't work the first time. I had an early miscarriage, but then the second time on the second transfer, it worked. 
So we were lucky that we didn't have to go through, you know, so months hugely, and months and hugely months. It's hugely exciting, yeah. but also, I mean, that, that still doesn't really sound very easy. It was really tough having to go abroad and the expense. And being and, away, and just being having away, the two yeah. of you, yeah. yeah, not having your yeah. family support. Yeah, it was really tough. Um, added to that, we didn't know any other, not one other same-sex um, parents, you know, group or... We didn't have any friends who had kids. Oh, that's very tough. So yeah. you were the first, you were, we were the, the real torchbearers. Yeah. yeah. So um, it was just really difficult and not knowing anyone who had done reciprocal IVF, let alone same-sex IVF. Yeah. We And there was no information so on the internet. That's really challenging. Like, so if you, really... like even now, if you Google re- reciprocal IVF Ireland, the only thing that will come up is stuff that I've written. Right. Which is no help to me which because is, it's coming is, from me. Well done you and that's <laughs> yeah. amazing but that's very challenging. It's very difficult. So going through that whole process we made a lot of mistakes. We didn't know what we were doing. We were shooting in the dark. But don't be so hard on yourself though. I mean you literally were yeah. doing something yeah. for the first time yeah. not just for yourself yeah. but for all the people that are going to come yeah. behind you. So, was, so of course it's not going to be perfect you know, so, out of the traps. So it was tough but we got through it and we made a beautiful daughter out of it. And um, so then when it came time to do it again, mm-hmm. um, we had to start from scratch again. We, we, you know, we had another failed transfer and we had to start the cycle again because we didn't have any more oh, embryos. was that very tough? Kind of the first time you were almost protected by your innocence, second time you know what you're getting into. Yeah. Was that very tough to know what you're, yeah, what you're heading into? Yeah, it was tough knowing that we were having to go abroad again. again. It was a couple what, of years down the you line. Cope with, did you bring your daughter with you? Yeah. Because I mean, you have to think yeah. of childcare and all yeah. of that no, stuff so we as brought, well. We, we went um, over earlier this year. We actually ended up going to Portugal this time. And um, we all went together and we spent just under three weeks together. And it was it was nice, you know, spending that time together. But again, it just hits it home. It's not a holiday, though. That it's not a holiday and we shouldn't be having to travel abroad to yeah. access medical treatment that should not. be available at home. But the difference was going over this time that um, after Ava was born, we were like, you know what, we need a support system. Mm. We need to talk to other people who've mm-hmm. been through this, who are going through this. Um and I happened to come across someone who had written an article about their daughter who had just been born, um, Anna McCarthy Adams. And she had written an article, not sure was it in GCN or it was it was one of, I don't know if it was a website or anyways, I, I came across their daughter was born a couple of months before ours. And um, I reached out to her and we met. And then now Finn and Ava are great friends and they're actually going to the same place school, which is so sweet. They're in the same class together, which is really sweet. Um, But through Anna, I got in touch with lots of other parents or people who were considering to be parents. In Ireland. In in Ireland and in Dublin. So there's actually a Facebook group, um, LGBTQ Parents Dublin. And then there's one for all of Ireland. And that has been just an yeah. absolute lifeline. So putting you in oh, touch yeah. with people that yeah. are going through a similar yeah. thing. And I suppose that's almost like a wider family unit. Yes, it is. Because yeah. I think in times times of old, I think people had a lot more family around them. Yeah. And I think sometimes the wonderful thing about those support groups, they can become like a family. Yeah. And I mean, I think my definition of modern family is just that. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be in any way related no. to yeah. people. I think it's people that so provide... A, sen- a sense of belonging. Exactly. Yeah. And support yeah. you yeah. and, you know, take your hand and go through things with you. Um, and I think that's my definition of modern yeah. family is actually that it's it's yeah. all of that support, yeah. which mm-hmm. is wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's great, I think, that 
your kids kind of have that. Do you ever think, Catherine, with Lucas, um, how he, you know, if he's going to have a family of his own and you're going to be a grandparent, how that conversation will happen or if nieces and nephews are... Oh, it's already had to happen. Um, Unfortunately, I suppose, with Lucas because... um, a lot of the changes and decisions need to be taken very early on. I mean, who wants children? Who wants to think about having children at 18? But, you know, a lot of our young people have to make those decisions. It's so challenging. It's really challenging and it's complicated and it's not the same for For everyone. No, it's not the same for everybody. And I mean, you know, Lucas is now on testosterone. Um, I'm not exactly sure the the process if he he wanted to have children. Um, But of course, like he's now, he's 22 since Monday. Um, but it's complicated, I suppose. Um, and what you're going through as well, Renee, is very pertinent for, for people who are transgender, you know. And, yeah, it's and not just a simple decision it, of it let's isn't. have a baby. It, there, there are so many more steps and, involved. And there's, such, and there's such a sort of a, that innate sense of needing to have a family, do you know, and have a family of your own. Um, and it's different for everybody, do you know, but it's... Um, I think, you know, the legislation and all of that needs to needs to encompass everybody. Yeah. And that's why I think these conversations are so important because I think a lot of it is maybe lack of awareness that sometimes if people aren't part of a larger group, they're not as visible. So people aren't actually aware. If it's not on your radar, you're not going to think about it. You know, it doesn't affect you. Um, And a lot of these things you you don't ever think is going to affect you. I, I would never have thought that. Do you know that I'd even have to lift the phone to a transgender organisation? You just don't. You, you don't know what's going to come to you. You don't know. And the thing is, you, they're still your kids. You still have to, you know, look out. You're for still the ch- facing the same challenges. Yeah. So that's the end of part one. But don't go anywhere because in part two, we'll be discussing how the panel deal with judgment and the importance of educating people on their modern families. Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Loop, the new and extended baby range. Welcome back to part two of our Motherboard podcast. Renee, I'm going to go straight to you. Shockingly, you are actually viewed legally um, as a single mom, despite the fact that you're married and co-parent to, you know, this little person and your next little person. Tell me about that. So basically, at, at the moment, how it stands is in Ireland, if a woman gives birth to a child, she is viewed as the biological parent, regardless of whether she's a surrogate, whether she's carried her partner's eggs, doesn't matter. If you give birth, you are the biological parent. Uh, You can choose to put down a father on the birth cert, but you can't choose to put down a second parent. Right. So there's no... So your wife isn't actually on the birth certificate. No, no. Which seems um, so crazy. Actually, when we went to register the birth, we knew that she wouldn't be able to be on the birth cert, but obviously we went together and when she came into the room with me, the registrar looked at both of us and said, who is, who's the mother? And, you know, we were like, we both are. She's like, who gave birth? I said, I did. And she said, and she was quite nice about it. But she, she said to Audrey, look, I'm, I'm just going to talk to Renee now. I'm not going to address that's you. Hard. That's very hard, yeah. though. That yeah. really is. It was very hard. Yeah. 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 I just, I find it so bizarre that, 
you know, that your marriage is recognised and yeah. your marriage is seen as val- valid and equal, but yet your parenting isn't. Yeah. But things are changing. Things are changing. So there was legislation that was put forward and was passed in 2015 that would allow for two females. Now, it doesn't include men. It doesn't include oh, a lot, lot of really? other families. Which is so yeah. disappointing. So it's a very narrow piece of legislation that allows for two females to be put on to uh, the birth certificate if they fit certain criteria. Again, the criteria is very narrow. You have to have used an Irish clinic. You have to have used an unknown but identifiable donor. Um, there's there's quite a few other kind of so that's very hoops narrow. to jump through. Yeah. But do you see it as a stepping stone in the right direction? Yes and no. Yes and no, because on one hand, you want something to come in, but at the same time, you don't want something to come in that's going to polarise an already very small community. So on one hand, you have a lot of people who mm. have done at-home inseminations. You have people who've gone abroad. You have people who've used known donors. All of these people are discounted. Which just seems so bizarre. And I um, suppose there's an inherent judgment in that, isn't yeah. there? It's like, well, just because you don't fit this very narrow... And you're not a valid parent. Yeah, so it's um, it's 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 been difficult. So towards, um, at the start of this year, there was a big push from within our community to get this actually commenced and put into practice so that we could then move forward and advocate for all of the much, much wider family types that we yeah. need the legislation for. And just broaden the, yeah. you know, that really restrictive yeah. bracket to, to yeah. include yeah. to include everyone. So um, we did actually get it put through. Um, so in, well done. was it July, I think, of this year, it was um, signed in and we were promised that it would be commenced by October. Of course, it hasn't been mm. commenced yet. So it's still not been put, in, put into practice. So... There's a possibility that we could be covered under it, um, but we're not sure if we will be because... And it hasn't been be- tested yet. And it hasn't been tested yet. Yeah. Um, you know, there's talk of retrospectively covering lots of the families who have children in existence and then going forwards, you That's have to fit this small... a lot of kids and a lot yeah. of families in kind of limbo at the moment, which yeah. is very so frustrating. Many. So um, people are very, you know, frustrated and it's... Um, it's just it's so uncertain and obviously with us with an impending arrival of course that it's very at the forefront of your mind for both of you possibly Audrey might be covered and be able to be put onto Ava's birth certificate but then she might not be able to for this child and then if we choose to use our embryos that are in a clinic abroad Mm -hmm. down the line she definitely won't be covered for those because it wasn't in Ireland because it wasn't in Ireland so you're damned if you do and damned if you don't yeah so and she, we couldn't do it in Ireland yeah, anyway. So no, <laughs> it just seems so bizarre. And like that's what I think that the kind of the wider judgment is sometimes it's it's much more succinct. Yeah. It's not actually obviously people saying things. No. It's much more like that, constantly having to fight for things yeah. that as a heterosexual person you just assume are just the way just things the way are. Things yeah. are. And Catherine, do you find that sometimes that that's the thing with trans rights or with trans families, that it's the succinct judgment? Or are there wider areas that you feel that it, judgment because, exists? Because gender just threads through everything. Um, it doesn't matter whether you're travelling abroad and it's a passport and having to navigate, um, you know, going through the passport control. I remember we were going through passport control. I, I was bringing a group of people over to Manchester and Lucas was with me, but he didn't have his passport changed at the time so his passport it was legal to travel on it I checked with the passport office said Lauren and said female 
and I was afraid if you walked through the, the you know the scanners that if you bleeped Oh yes. He looks male, so yeah. there would be a male person patting him down. Yeah. But somebody else might say, Hang on a minute. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's just and all, he, and he's your child, so there's job. so you want and to it's protect. Just, it's just you're already stressed because it's really busy and you're trying to get everyone through, you know. And um I was like, do not leave anything, no, change out of your pockets, get the belt off, everything, yeah, you know. Just be perfect, just, just flow through. It's just and you know, even I'd hear parents that, you know, that we work with, you know, they go to a summer camp. Do I need to tell the person in charge of the summer camp that, you know, John, John that, wasn't always John. I'm like, do you just things that you just don't even think of if you've no. never had to. Do you know, like, is it it's, like, do you need to tell? Not really. Do you know, is it anyone's business? No, but it's just you kind of feel you should because if somebody else says it, and then people tend to just like, literally have a meltdown when you say it to them because they don't know what to do. They're so panicked about it, and they're afraid to say the wrong thing. And they, oh, I don't know. I'll have to ask somebody. Like, why? <laughs> So you could be looking at sort of a summer camp there, like nine-year-olds or eight-year-olds. Does it matter? But they're all just kids at the end of the day. Kids. Yeah, they're just kids. Do you and know? as parents, we're all just trying to do the best for you yeah. know our and little you know, people. A lot of the time, you go and it's grand. There's no problem. Um, but it's the stress you feel as a parent is to should I be saying this? Do I need to say this? And sometimes you know you say ah. You know, I'm not going. I'm not going to say soddish. Just just go on. And then you're going home in the car. And you're thinking maybe I should have said. You know, it's very difficult it to is, know the, yeah, the right thing to, to do or say is. Most of the time you, it's good though. Would you refer back to Lucas and actually ask him and say, what would you prefer or what would you like me to say or do? You know, so that... Yeah, yeah, because he's older. But you see, we'd, we'd have a lot of kids that are younger. Of course. You know, and it's... It's, it's, it's even like, you know, Lucas went to college there um, down in Waterford uh, for a year or two. And, you know, you think, oh, you've done you've done your work now, you've done your job. He looks male, he passes his mail, he's got his name changed, new birth certificate, everything's grand. You go down there and he meets new friends. And it's like, do you tell people that you weren't always Lucas? And or at what point do you tell yeah, people? Yeah. Or if you meet somebody that you, you know, know. Exactly. And he, he was making new friends. And I've seen him getting really stressed out. And, you know, and, you know, it's like this. This people are sharing things with you because you get to know them more. They share things with them that they might, wouldn't share with the rest of the class, um, and you kind of feel you're holding on to this huge secret. They don't necessarily need to know, but if they found out from somebody else, would they be very hurt that you didn't trust them enough? A, fr- a friend of mine said, "Like you don't just come out once. You no. kind of are coming out constantly, all the time. It's a constant well, conversation, yeah. which seems really bizarre that you would have to, you know." Yeah. Like almost, I suppose, expose yourself or that it's mm. anybody's business, yeah. you know. And it I suppose is. that's what I'd like to get across about modern families is that it, it, they come in all different shapes, size, yeah. gender, fluidity, all of that, all yeah. of which are valid. But ultimately, we're all trying to do the same thing. Raise kids, sure. yeah. do our best, yeah. get through, pay our bills, yeah. have a nice, happy life, be kind to each other. Mm. Um, do you feel, Renee, that one of the things that could move things forward would be having a more focus in school to educate children and parents um, and have more, you know, different types of people represented in, in schools and in education. Absolutely, because education is how things become normalised. You know, when you when you grow up seeing something, it's normal. And then you don't get to the point where you're an adult who's asking really inappropriate questions just purely because you don't know, because you haven't been educated. And I think as well, you also assume what you have is normal. Yes. You yeah. know, like, you know, I grew up with the mum and dad and siblings, so I presumed that everybody had the exact same family. Yeah. Yes. Your daughter is growing up with two mums. Yeah. She will assume that that's 
what yeah. what's normal that's, that's you know for normal. her exactly mm. and I suppose having lot like the representation there would be yeah. much much better wouldn't yeah it? absolutely and but you know even in like all of her books that we have and obviously we mm-hmm. make a very concerted effort to get all sorts of books and you know educational you know things for her um the majority of what we have is you know, mum, dad, mum, dad, kids. and white. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And oh, straight. absolutely. You know, it's upper, it's so... upper middle class. Yes. You know, it's it's yeah. so. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, even to the point that she, you know, when when she's singing songs, she wants to do the mummy and daddy, and she knows that she has two mummies, but she still sees the mummy daddy kids as, as the everywhere. quote unquote yeah, yeah. norm. Yeah. Yeah. And this is with us, you yeah. know. And with her being in a same-sex family, so you can only imagine. But you're bombarded by it, you yeah. know. Yeah. It's, so you can only yeah. imagine a child who's not yeah. in that family yeah. even more so. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Um. So I absolutely think that education is is the key, and I think what we were saying before was um that that it's not a separate thing. It's not like we're going to do a module on same-sex. Families. It, it, like, ne- it needs to flow into yeah. everything, or it we're going to do a module norm. on. Yeah. Um, migrant families or we're going to do a module on this yeah. it's the same like in advertising it drives me crazy when you see you know an advertising campaign with a same sex couple and they've made a thing out of it but it's, it's almost it's like not, a token as yeah, opposed it's a token. to it being it's not yeah. just yeah. Yeah. it's not just like they said oh let's yeah. get a, yeah. let's yeah. get a, a, a gay couple yeah. you know yeah. or ju- let's just get a couple they've yeah. said specifically let's get a gay couple to make a point and, you know? b- and by that, it is making things separate. Yeah, it is. In my experience as a midwife and having helped, like, you know, a lot of people become mothers. And my one thing was that actually there was so much more alike than there was difference. That yeah, everyone absolutely. ultimately yes. wants the so exact right. same thing, that everyone's trying to do their best. Mm. But we are products of what we come from. Yeah. Um, and that I mean, my role as a healthcare giver and I and I hope my role in, in these podcasts is to show that there's so much more alike than there is different. Yeah. And it really is our, um, you know, real responsibility to help people on the verges to become more inclusive so that, you know, when there is another Lucas or when your little daughter is growing up, that we don't have to have these sorts of conversations. Exactly. It's just it's seen everywhere and like that with schools. I know that they're reviewing the RSE programme at the moment. The RSE programme is, is the, the Relationships and Sexuality okay. Education. Um, and I suppose what we're hoping is that it'll just go through everything. So diversity, not just gender, not just sexuality. Do you know and that thing don't have to come out no, all the it's time. It's different, that we're all different. And we just, you know... Um, I think it needs to be studied through all the curriculum. It needs to be in the English books. It needs to be in the history books. It needs to be just everywhere that it's not a, a separate... Le- now, today, we're going to learn about of ethnicity. Or today, <laughs> we're going to learn about gender. No. And I think it would be lovely for little people to see their own families, their own modern families Reflected. represented. Yeah. 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 So that when they go, they can see that you know like your daughter that she isn't presuming what a family unit is yeah. mm-hmm. that she can see all the different types of families and I think that's how we move forward it's yeah. the only way yeah. so I mean a lot a lot done 
a lot more to do. Yeah. I sound like a politician. But that's awful. <laughs> but there is. And I think yeah. that that's, that, that's mm. essentially it because you were talking about trying to protect Lucas. Yeah. And we were talking earlier about, you know, trying to protect kids. And I feel that about my son, that I feel that I really want him to grow up in a society that is much more fair and equal so that he doesn't have to fight as hard as we did for all of these things. And hopefully that's, that'll be it. Yeah. 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 I think I think Ireland's not the worst place, though. I it's think not. It's actually, and I think we've come on yeah, leaps and I bounds. I think, you know, I mean, I when Lucas first came out to us, we would have, I would have certainly, my first instinct was run. I need to move. I need to emigrate. Yeah, go 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 back to the UK. You know, um, because you. But I seriously underestimated people. People are very good. They and people really have are. a huge capacity of kindness. Yeah. And they do. They want. And, and sometimes you might see them crossing the street. It's not because they're not in support of you. It, it sometimes don't know what to say to you you know that they're, they're unsure they don't want to offend you um and some days you're better able for it than others you know um some days i'm better able to engage with people that's that's the same for everybody do you know what i mean Absolutely. with intrusive questions or whatever um sometimes i welcome questions um and sometimes they can be intrusive but um yeah <laughs> And that's just life, it's isn't just it? Life. It's really it's tough. Life. Yeah. Well, I hope perhaps our listeners will, it'll open up a few more conversations at home and people will listen to this and that's raising mm. the, vis- the yeah. visibility of what modern, wonderful families all encompass. So thank you to my lovely panel, um, Renee and Catherine, for joining me today and being so honest and sharing your beautiful stories and sharing, you know, your I can see the pride that you have for your children, which is just so lovely. And finally, thank you all at home for listening. We hope you've learned something new. Um, And as I said, started some really interesting and lovely conversations and not saying the wrong thing. (laughs) Um, We hope you subscribe to the Motherboard podcast whenever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review Only Positives, please, as we'd love to hear your feedback. Thank you so much and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Motherboard, proudly brought to you by Lidl's Loopy Loo, the new and extended baby range.